0: ECU, Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo, on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in
1: to Hoist the Colors on this Friday, December 15th edition of the program. We're live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on 94.3 The Game, live on Twitter. And if you got a question for us over the next hour, drop it there. As always, we will get to it when we can. It is a football Friday because bowl season starts this weekend. I don't know how excited I am for it, but we will discuss it. We'll make our weekly game picks. Joseph Sampson is joining us, and Philip Hilkinton is producing As well today. Joe, are you ready for bowl season? How would you rate your excitement meter on a scale of 1 to 10?
2: Uh, Probably an 8. I gotta be honest. Uh, Bowl season's a very exciting time, especially now in this new age of the transfer portal. 130 quarterbacks in the portal for 133 programs. A lot of guys are gonna get a different shot than we've anticipated. I know Notre Dame's already going with their backup. Uh, they're excited for that. I know there's plenty of other quarterbacks that were deciding or mulling over. Drake May not playing in it as well, obviously. You get to see some of those guys that you haven't had a chance to know about. And that makes me excited as a football fan because now I get to know a little more like a sneak peek on who's out there, who's coming in, who needs to get replaced, and, and that kind of thing.
1: We'll make those picks here shortly in our next segment. Philip, uh, are you excited for bowl season or is it fall pretty pretty low on your radar? I mean, we do have NFL this week on Saturday as well, which I'm excited about.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm not excited as I used to be now that all these guys opt out and stuff. It makes it not quite as fun as I think it used to be. However, it's kind of fun to watch teams like Ohio play Georgia Southern. These are two teams. That's the first game tomorrow. I mean, it's just two teams you don't see all year. You know, kind of to Joe's point, it's kind of these one guys' chance to play on national TV. And sometimes they even seem to play harder in this game than they do during the regular season. So kind of excited for the mid-majors. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm excited for the big games too. But, you know, when half the guys opt out, it's just it doesn't have as much... Lusters it used to have
1: it is a big recruiting weekend for east carolina we're going to talk about that i want to get joe's take on caden hauser the michigan state transfer quarterback who's visiting he is touring campus as we speak probably about to uh to get some lunch as well um but guys wanted to, to talk about the the basketball game last night too before we get going there ECU drops a tough one to Florida, 70-65, to 65, second straight, sh- strong showing against the, uh, the SEC. Really, uh, you know, honestly, probably very well could have won the game. They never led, but it was a case where ECU trimmed it to one point, one possession, and had like three straight layups they missed in the final three or four minutes. Frustrating loss, controversial call goes against them. We saw the debut of Cam Hayes. I don't know if either of you watched it. Uh, you know, Joe, I know you're you're on the road now uh back home, so I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but it's been a tough you know, you can see this team improving. It's just tough that they don't have the wins to show for it right now, but two two strong performances in a row by Michael Schwartz's team.
2: Yeah, I caught probably uh I want to say it was the last eight minutes of the game. It was still kind of within reach and then we dropped it by five. Uh, you can definitely see the defense there, and this is a high-powered Florida offense. I mean, the only team that's held them to the same amount of points that ECU was able to was Virginia. And if that's where you're measuring yourself as far as trying to be a defensive team, you're in the right spot. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to look at it and try and point fingers, but you gotta have some more points out of a couple people. I mean, Bobby had the night we were expecting him to have, but I'd like to see him take it to the basket a little more, especially against some of those defenders that Florida has who like to get into foul trouble in, in some previous weeks. Uh, You know, it wasn't a great game from Brandon, in my opinion. I think he could have done some different things. I'd like to see him shoot a little more on the wing when he gets it like that instead of trying to go into the triple threat or try and push it back down so he can come off a screen like that. Caleb Count has been a pleasant surprise. We're starting to see him kind of transition into his role. I know that's been a huge excitement piece for you, Igo. And then I'd like to see some more out of Val. If you're going to play him like this down the stretch, and, and you've got to do these things, he's got to be able to play with the big boys the same way.
1: Philip, I thought somebody made a great point of hoisting colors last night. He said East Carolina is not a bad basketball team. In fact, he thinks. They're pretty good. I think it was Oasis Pirate who posted this on our message board. He said ECU is not a bad basketball team, but they have a bad basketball team's resume. You look at the net. ECU is next to last in net ranking in the American, 256th nationally. But I, you know, five and five overall because the Division Two game or Division Three game doesn't count, of course. Six six and five is the actual record, but as far as the net, they're five and five. Their their one real quality win was UNTW. Outside of that, they have not beaten anybody. Now, they've hung tight in these last two games against top 50 net competition, but not having the win kind of stings. But do you kind of agree with that assessment? Like, I feel like this team is getting better. The problem is just some of the early losses are really going to stick with them throughout the year.
3: Oh, I 100% agree. You know, you brought the bad resume. Well,. The South Carolina Upstate loss obviously hurt. I don't think Northeastern's a terrible basketball team, but right now their net's not high which hurts. But you know, they've proved like your point that they can play with these big dog teams. Another thing I was watching it with two of my friends last night. I think the basketball gods just don't like ECU. Some of the and ones <laughs> that Florida made last night yeah. were hard fouls and the guy had the ball had no business going in. And then we would sit there get fouled and just couldn't get the shooter's roll. I firmly believe the basketball gods wherever in basketball basketball heaven that they live just don't love ecu and yes there were some bad calls too i saw you tweet out about one about after that heck you tweeted about one there were plenty of bad ones i know there's a couple times we just got drilled on breakaway layups and no call was made guy might have got ball up top but there was a lot of body contact before the ball but still some of these just not getting the shooters roll and the other team getting them the rims favoring the opponents that's hurt the Pirates down the stretch as well. But the good thing is, law of averages say, at some point you're going to pull off one of these upsets when you get this close. This team's got the heart, they've got the grit, they've got the coaching, they've got the basketball IQ to do it. Once they get that shooter's role a couple times, they have the ability to pull up and up, pull off an upset. They've just got to put themselves in those situations again and again and again. I think they will, and that will flip the resume.
1: The Indian burial ground is real. It is beneath Minji's Coliseum <laughs> and it has cursed its program for too long. I'm tired of ECU basketball coming up short, but you mentioned the basketball gods. I think they still hold that burial ground against ECU Philip. I have seen this for too many years, too many painful losses. Uh, at least they did give Bobby Pettiford the half court heave. Uh, so, but now they're, they're taking all the fun away once again. All right, guys, let's transition. Again, the, the Pirates will be back at home December 20th against Delaware State. That'll be the next Cam Hayes appearance. We'll get more into that conversation with Cason Romaley next week. Talking hoops, let's transition to some football. It's a huge recruiting weekend for East Carolina. I've confirmed six official visits over the next few days. Caden Hauser is kind of the big one. The Michigan State quarterback transfer started a handful of games for the Spartans this past year. Put up respectable numbers and just talking to Michigan State people, it sounds like kind of a similar situation to ECU. Not a lot of help. Coaches had one foot out the door. I don't know, Joe, what do you make of Caden Hauser and his interest in ECU and vice versa at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely legitimate interest Anytime you get that kind of situation where ECU is coming off of a season where before it, there was two straight bull appearances. And that's not an easy feat, especially considering where the program was a few years ago. Hauser's issue is that does he want to go down? And for the people who don't understand, there is a large drop as far as appearances, as far as just rankings and things like that, and the actual scope of it when you go from those power fives like the Big Ten, like the ACC, like the SEC, and you come to the American. Now, with the ACC starting to lose its luster, so to speak, you have kind of opened a door where if you can make a run in the American or one of these smaller conferences and you're beating ranked opponents, you can make the playoffs. So that's going to be a huge incentive piece for him his thing is he's got great arm action he's got a good physical frame to him what his problem seems to be is when he tries to use his legs he seems to get caught up a little bit and he's playing a lot of great competition I watched the entire Ohio State game through I watched the Rutgers game through where they blew the lead 24 to 6 and I went back and I watched the Michigan game where they didn't score any touchdowns. He finished 11 for 19, if I remember correctly. So not a bad game by any means for what he wants to do, but it's hard to judge him based on that kind of thing. The John David Baker factor comes in as well. What is the offense? Is it a true air raid? Is he like uh, kind of an air raid spread where he can run the ball? How do you use his legs and his athleticism to you? Is this a four-star kid who came out of California? All those different factors are going to play in. So hopefully it's a nice lunch at Sup Dog's. You know, gets him a little little cowboy dog. Gets him a nice little. If he's of age, sup swirl, and we'll see how the pirates seem to recruit. Because if there's one thing we do well, it's show people a good time.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of hate that it's a little dead around campus with exams being over. But either way, I expect him to have a good time. And dead periods coming up, so you got to get the visits in now. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know Joe. Like for me, talking to some people in Hauser's camp, I think they really are excited about the potential of playing in John David Baker's offense because clearly Ole Miss runs up-tempo. It's a fun offense. They design some easy reads, easy throws for the quarterbacks. Of course, they do some difficult things too, but it kind of starts with the simple stuff. And watching Michigan State, and I don't know if you felt the same way, a lot of 12 personnel – you know, a lot of predictable play calling, just not too too much uh, advantageous situations there. So what did you kind of make of that? And and, and maybe coming to this offense, at least how it looks on paper, do you think that's a draw for, uh, for Hauser to ECU?
2: Yeah, it definitely is. I watched the Ohio State game, as I mentioned, and I saw 15 plays with true trade. That's when you take both tight ends on the ball and move them over to the other side of the formation, and then they brought in another receiver to make a bunch. And I think they ran probably 15 or 17 plays out of that set. And I don't know a ton of things that historically John David Baker or Lane Kiffin or Seth Luttrell have done in those kinds of scenarios or those systems. So that's definitely a plus. It's going to be a lot more pass heavy than what Michigan state likes to do. They like to feed off the run, a lot of bootleg he ran, um, I just don't know which way Baker leans. This is the first time we're going to see him play calling. He doesn't have a determined system. And, yes, he's told us it's going to be air raid. We're going to move the ball. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to be exciting. But I don't know the steps enough that I could sit here and be like, oh, Hauser fits perfectly into the system. We've seen this before. So it's going to be a, a mosh pit, so to speak, of all these different systems. And that's going to be something that I'm sure JDB is talking to Hauser about right now when they're sitting at lunch and they're talking ball. So I think that's one piece of excitement. This is also an ECU team where if you score one more touchdown, could have been sitting here with seven wins or six wins. Like that's, that's the true difference here is if you can tell Hauser, Hey, we're bringing back this defensive production. We're only losing two or three players to this. One player graduated. We have a chance to rebuild everything we had last year. And if they can continue to do that, I see no reason why Hauser doesn't want to stay, stick around, win an AAC championship and go to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's been a lot of research done on both sides, and I think Hauser's camp kind of realizes that this is not your typical 2-10 and 10 team, and I think that's part of the reason he's visiting. You know, Boise State is showing some interest. There's some other schools involved as well, but I think this is an interesting spot for him, and so we'll see how the next few days go. We'll continue to update you at net. Again, I think his visit wraps up either tonight or tomorrow morning, so we'll see if we get any news out of that. That period starts Monday, signing day, Wednesday for the high school, Juco ranks, and then there will be some transfer decisions, I think, to come in the days ahead as well. And, Joe, we got into this conversation a little bit with Bobby Harward on Wednesday, but how do you find that balance? Because ECU, you look at the quarterback room right now, Alex Flynn, we don't know what he's going to do. We saw him get his opportunity last year. Obviously, you know, he could get another shot, but they're bringing in quarterbacks for a reason, Raheem Jeter, he's going to be a redshirt freshman, little to zero game experience. Cole Hodge, true freshman, no game experience at this level. They like him, but he needs to add some weight. So I, I feel like you at least have to add two, if not three. Now two is probably more realistic. So what do you feel like? How do you balance that conversation? Maybe with Caden Hauser. Hey, we want you to come in, and be the guy, but realistically, we got to bring in another guy too. We don't want you to get hurt. We don't want you to come in and not compete with anybody. So what what are those conversations like, you think, right now?
2: I think the conversation is easily, hey, I understand you want to be the guy. We want you to be the guy. But we also need to put this in a situation where, God forbid, if you go down week one, you can come back in week three and we haven't skipped a beat. We need to go get somebody that we trust that you can feel comfortable with in the same room. The backup and the starter talk so often. I mean, I can't tell you the countless conversations that I heard between Flynn and Holton. or Flynn and Mason when he was the starter at that point or Mason when he was the backup for Holton in that 21-year, like the true backup. The conversations that pass along, it's what did you see? What are you hearing? What is the coach telling you in the headset? So you have to have somebody you trust in that situation. I think you have to go get two for sure. I think you want to land big with Hauser. Hauser's a former four-star. He's a redshirt freshman as well. He's got that ability to be the guy going forward. But you need somebody older, too, who's been in the room, understands this, can try and kind of turn the tide. Because Hauser's only experience was with Tucker. That's going to be a factor as well because how does Hauser kind of fit into a system that isn't going crazy, that isn't hearing all these murmurs and all these different things after the fact and people leaving and the crazy NIL landscape of the Big Ten and some guys driving Lamborghinis and Rolls Royces and then you come down to East Carolina and some guys have a deal with the local restaurant as opposed to those kind of crazy deals. How does that play into it? So. If you're ECU, you have to get three guys, in my opinion. You need two. You need the Hauser or your big splash. You need the guy who you trust as the backup or can develop into that guy. And then you need a third. Uh, Hodges is a great start as far as that third goes, but you need like a walk-on or you need somebody who's going to have that knowledge and that kind of thing in the system. Maybe a guy who was at a former D2 program has experience in a room. Somebody that you can have an older guy who can set the tone in that room.
1: Alright, so East Carolina this weekend, again, we've confirmed six official visits at this time on hoistedcolors.net. We've got that scoop for you if you are a subscriber. Just as kind of a teaser, Joe, uh, and you are a subscriber now, so you should know. But either I am, way, uh, I am on the board. <laughs> yep, you're on the boards daily now. Uh, receivers, they're bringing in a receiver for sure this weekend on an official visit. They also had a guy, uh, who showed up last night as well, so you got receiver targets you got offensive line. They're bringing in an offensive line transfer this weekend as a target. They're bringing in an edge rusher, and we talked about it with Jeremy Lewis, Jack Powers, uh, leaving due to graduation. They need to add an edge rusher. There's a linebacker visiting, and there's also a defensive back. So, you know, when you look at this list or just in general right now, like with the transfer portal, clearly quarterback's number one of the utmost importance, but is there another position you're looking at you want to see ECU add to and add to quickly?
2: Yeah, it's edge rusher. It's hands down edge rusher. I mean, we've talked at length about what Jeremy Lewis did for that defense. And if you want Sam Denka to be able to develop into that kind of crazy off-the-edge guy with his long length and he can play out in space or play on the line, you need somebody who can take that kind of burden off him. So I think if you get an edge rusher, you can match that with J.D. Lampley on the outside still. Tay and Morris coming back are huge for your D-line depth in the middle. I think that's where it needs to be because if you have pass rush, your corners can play a lot less. I mean, if you can maintain that kind of production that you had over the last year in the back half, you're going to be just fine with those guys in the front seven. That would be my, my main concern as well as that. Uh, tackle, you've got, you've got some options. You've got some things where you've got some guys who could develop. You've got some late transfers that you're looking at. You don't need the big guy necessarily. You can go to other programs that have built great depth and and development and go get those guys. You don't have to swing big on a tackle so that if you miss, you fall flat on your face. You can build it through a couple key transfers as opposed to your mainstays. All
1: right, there's Joe Sampson. Let's get our first break in. By the way, uh, Joe, Christian Bateman on YouTube says uh, Joe Sampson's energy is down. Come on, man. What do you have to say for yourself?
2: Christian, you just wait. The Jets are in the playoff line. You just wait. Are I they? promise. I'll get fired up. Yeah. They're in the graphic I go if you're in the graphic it in counts.
3: I think part yeah, of it is, is he's, he's at home and I don't think the microphone is capturing all of his energy because he's got a crap mic, I think. Yeah, this, this is, is
2: true. This also is true. Is uh, true.
3: off topic, but because we're going to NFL a little bit, Brandon Staley just got fired. For anybody who hasn't been on Thank Twitter is driving in their cars. Gosh, I was go. gonna
1: ask next segment, how long was, no was Brandon Staley gonna stay employed? What well, a joke that game was last was night. I, mean, I watched like the first like, five it. What a minutes joke
2: Brandon Staley has been as a head coach. I
3: would have fired him after the playoff game last year, just saying.
2: I would have fired him two years ago when he took the job.
3: <laughs> That's rough. It's
2: terrible. All
1: right, but we'll have more Brandon Staley discussion here in the uh, the coming minutes. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll Actually, we'll talk bowl games. We'll close with NFL today. So we'll transition into our picks. Phillip is crumbling as we near the finish line. We'll give you the updated standing. Somebody is surging. Is it Joe? Is it myself? We'll find out on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday.
0: Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game.
1: All right, welcome back into the show, Friday, December 15th edition of Hoist the Colors. Joe Sampson is with us. He's joining us from home. And uh but the power of technology. He is with us and he's transitioned into his New York Jets garb as uh I didn't call it garbage, but uh kind of looks
2: like garbage. Hey. I don't know, you know you look like lost, a trash man. Your team lost hell. to the Jets, so off-season well, champs. That is true. Off-season well, champs. I can't
1: really say a whole lot to that. Um, Could possibly be the reason you don't win the West. This is very true. I mean, the fact that the Broncos lost to the Jets, the Commanders, and the Raiders in the first five weeks of the season is disgusting. But it is what it is. Hey, man, man, don't hate on the Raiders.
3: They just scored 63 points with Aiden O'Connell
2: as their quarterback.
1: That wasn't Shout out to
2: Jacoby Myers throwing a touchdown pass in the fantasy playoffs. Huge for the boys.
1: Yeah, he's sitting on my bench and I almost I'm picked sorry. up the Chargers defense and played them. Thank God I avoided ah, that.
2: I picked up the Raiders defense, but that was out of pure hatred for the Chargers. That was that was a big brain move.
1: That's a yeah, thinking uh thinking several moves ahead there. That's a good one for sure. They picked All right, guys, they put so 29 out.
2: Uh, it was great.
1: Let's put some points or let's let's make some picks and let's make a few points. On the standings. Philip Pilkington was dominating this. We've been making college and NFL picks all year, in case you haven't been following along. Philip, as of like five weeks ago, had like an insurmountable lead. Since then, he has gone four and five, five and five, five and six, two and eight, and last week he went one and six. He is now seventy four, sixty nine and six on the year, still in first place. But Steven Igo is seventy three, seventy and six. I believe that puts me what a game behind you, Philip, as I'm coming off a four and three week, but you just cratered 0 oh, and six in the NFL. Joe at 64, 79 and six. And honestly, not that far out if we all have a bad week and you have a good week. So Philip, what is happening over there, man? Are you going to be able to, to hold yourself together?
3: I don't know. You know, my college has stayed decent during this time, right around 500, which I was all year. But this wacky NFL season's getting to me. I'm in a confidence-level pick'em where we assign 16 to our most confident game and go all the way down uh, every week, too. And that is, uh, I have gone from second to fourth in that league. I just need teams like the Chiefs and the Eagles to win games that they're supposed to win and quit getting upset. Just stop losing. Like, you're the better team. Win the darn football game. It's not hard.
1: That'd be really helpful Fair enough Yeah uh, Hey You gotta guard against it And uh, by the way Anson Belt and Buckle Lock hits I went Bills Over Chiefs Uh By the way Shout out to David Faree For joining us yesterday From Anson Belt But uh th- that lock hit Did y'all's lock hit From week ago Do y'all remember what it was
2: No I took the stupid yes, Eagles I, uh, I took the Texans And it worked perfectly So We'll see how it plays out This there week There you go
1: yeah, that's right. You picked against the Jets, and so, uh, hey, somebody's got to get the lock right, and uh, we'll see if I can do it again this week. And uh, All right, guys, we'll start with bowl season, and it's about the furthest thing from locks because bowl season, we don't know who's playing, we don't know who's coaching. Let's start with tomorrow the games begin, and there's actually a, a heavy slate of games. We're going to pick games over the next week. Before next Friday's show. So we kind of picked out some, some different ones here. The first is New Mexico State, Fresno State in the New Mexico Bowl. New Mexico State enters at two and four. Fresno State will not have its coach present due to health issues. Also, its quarterback is transferring. New Mexico State is a three and a half point favorite. They're a 10 win team, which is shocking to say. And I'm going to go with uh, the Aggies here. I think they get it done. They're back in a bowl, and I think with all the things going on at Fresno, I think New Mexico State gets it done in the New Mexico Bowl. Joe?
2: I think all the reasons you've just displayed are the reason I want to take Fresno. Anytime you're in a situation like that, just as a program, it's a rallying cry, especially if the coach is down for health reasons. It's not like he left. It's not like one of those things. So they'll rally together and they'll take him. Three and a half really isn't that big a swing, especially in bowl season. And the pressure of playing basically at home for your first bowl game in I don't know how long, I have to go with the Bulldogs. So give me Fresno State.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of with you here, Joe, with Fresno State on this. Just look at them. They've lost their last three games. They lost on senior day. Their coach is not going to be there. Look, this is a team who was 8-1 and one three weeks ago and has absolutely taken a dumpster dive. And they're going to look at the season as, you know, a kind of a – failure if they don't win this game, and uh, I think the Aggies have just kind of cruised along. They got beat last week by Liberty, or two weeks ago, I guess, by Liberty, but they've just cruised along, haven't played a lot of tough games, been able to blow out a lot of their opponents, and uh, I think the Bulldogs will be up for the challenge.
1: This Fresno State team has lost to a horrific New Mexico and San Diego State team down the stretch here, so it's just, are they just that bad, or are they just going to rally here? It'll be interesting to see what happens in that regard, all right, picks are in for that one. Our next pick is UCLA at Boise State. This is the Starco Brands LA Bowl, and uh, the UCLA is a four-point favorite. Boise, Boise State lost Taylor Green to Arkansas. They're starting a true freshman quarterback in the bowl game. I don't know if it'll be his first career start or what, but I'm going, you know, if all things were equal and Boise had their team, I'd be going Boise here, but I'm going UCLA uh, in the LA Bowl. I know it's a boring pick. They are a four-point favorite, by the way, in case I didn't make that clear. I'm going to UCLA to cover. Joe.
2: Hanson, belt and buckle, lock of the week, the Boise State Broncos. This is a Boise State team that started 0-4 and has since gone on a run all the way to the Mountain West Championship behind the coach who is no longer the interim head coach. I think the Broncos start off his tenure, so to speak, in a huge way, and I think Boise State wins the L.A. Bowl. Phillip.
3: You know, Both these teams are without their quarterback from the year. I believe the UCLA kid transferred as well, so that makes it really hard to pick. However, Boise State, they've won three or four in a row. I think they're happy to be in this game because it looked like there was a chance they weren't going to make a bowl game a few weeks ago. They've rallied. They've won the Mountain West. UCLA, they're a Pac-12 team playing in a bowl on the first day of the bowl season. That is just a letdown for them. I don't think Chip Kelly nor this team cares. They're looking ahead to next year. Give me the Broncos.
1: Chip Kelly is still there somehow, despite all those reports of him getting fired. Uh, all right, our final day of Saturday, our final pick of Saturday, is Cal Texas Tech. This will be a nine fifteen kickoff Eastern time. The Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Texas Tech is a three point favorite. Both teams, six and six. I'm gonna be quite honest. I have zero feel for this game. Uh I this is just a complete shot in the dark. I am going Texas Tech because I don't know, like the Big 12 over crappy Pac-12 teams. Joe?
2: Uh, I'm going to go Berkeley in this case. I haven't been impressed by anything Texas Tech has done this year. I, I don't think them sneaking into a bowl game was impressive by any means. Cal is on one of those downswings, but also so is the Pac-12. But I think they go out winners in the Pac-12. Give me Cal.
3: Cal's on a three-game win streak. I think they ride it through this game. Give me the Bears.
1: Are y'all just picking against me every game now? I guess so. I have insight. Yeah. You have insight. You, you got go friends last.
3: on all these teams?
1: No. I mean, to be quite honest, there is no, not a uh, more, no, there's not a more crapshoot than picking bowl games that we know nothing about. I like that you guys are going yeah. off trends. So I'm just going off gut feel. All right. Um, Pressure gut. Monday we get Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. This, I guess, was a former conference say game. Now Old Dominion is in the Sun Belt. This is the famous Toastery Bowl. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, so is this the uh, is this the Bahamas Bowl that's now in Charlotte?
3: It's supposed to be the Bahamas Bowl. Yeah, but now it's the Jerry yes. Richardson Stadium Bowl. Jerry.
1: Yeah. yeah. Y'all, y'all trying to drive and go see this game?
3: Uh, I'll no, go. But, Look, I'll go if we don't have to do the show Monday, but we can't make it there in time. So if you can work yeah, that out, I think we can go to the Panthers game Sunday and sit in the rain. There it is. For and a, quarter, then, for uh, a Quarter. I still got four tickets. I don't think my dad's been able to get rid of them yet. And then we can get a nice hot shower, stay at my parents' house, and do the show from our house with we'll Michael produce it, and then go to the bowl game.
1: Sounds like boots on ground. I'm all in.
2: Boots on ground. I'm yeah. in.
3: Let's do it.
1: So this is a good opportunity to scout next year's ECU week two opponent. Old Dominion is a two and a half point favorite over the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Um I can't believe we're actually picking this game, but I'm going I'm going Old Dominion. I'm going Old Dominion. They uh they're gonna win. That's my analysis. Joe.
2: Connor Stallion style. I like it. I go, you're already looking ahead to next year. Uh, I go Western in this case. Western has had a pretty good year offensively. They've put up a lot of great numbers. Historically, they always do. Old Dominion's had a pretty good defense in the run. They struggled a little bit against Sun Belt competition. Most of their wins came non-conference. So I do lean away from the Monarchs. Give me the Hilltoppers. The Pirates,
3: when they go 12-0 next year. Are going to need to look as good as possible. And the better their opponents are, the better they look. We need Old Dominion to win this game. I know nothing about either one of these teams. Go Monarchs.
1: All right. Philip taking the Monarchs. And, uh, again, our great analysis of these bowl games. I'm sure people are really enjoying this. It's fine. It feels good to have somebody back me in one of these picks. So thank you, Philip. All right. We have got UTSA and Marshall. This is the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl. Are we should we get Scooter on to pick this game? Yeah, we need to call Scott Rogers. Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl in Frisco, Texas. UTSA a 13 point favorite. This should be Frank Harris's last game unless he gets eligibility number year number 8. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think the Roadrunners just roll. They're playing in their home state. Frank Harris final game. Jeff Trailer still at UTSA. Marshall has been kind of a wreck. They fired their offensive coordinator. I don't even know who they're going to have available in this game. So I'm going with the Roadrunners, and I think they cover the 13, Joe.
2: Isn't uh, Fancher in the portal as well for Marshall? He is. Yeah. Uh, give me the Roadrunners. Meet me not close. Um, especially because this is Frank Harris's last two raw. I think he sends the seniors out that Jeff Trailer spoke so passionately about with a huge win in Texas.
3: I think Mars or UTSA is a little yeah, I have a bad taste in their mouth with the way the season ended down in Tulane. I thought they thought coming into the year they were gonna play for a conference championship. One of two things happens. They win by thirty or they come out flat and get beat outright. I do not see Frank Harris getting beat outright in his final college game. So give me the Roadrunners, but if Marshall covers, mark my words, they will win outright. They I do not see the Roadrunners winning this one by by less than two touchdowns. I
1: agree. Bruce Bruce Willis is in the chat. He says, yay, Johnny Football, and then he says UTSA. So, Bruce Willis, Die Hard. I Christmas love Die is Hard. a Christmas movie. Uh, so, we will uh, have that chat at some point as well. All right, final college game, and then we're going to break in. South Florida and Syracuse. This will be played on my wife's birthday, December 21st, so I'll be sure to make sure I don't miss the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Syracuse is a three-point favorite despite Dino Babers being fired. I don't know what the situation is with the Cuse. I'm going with USF here. First bowl game in a while. Home state. Uh, Byron Brown is playing. He's not in the portal yet. So I'm going with the Bulls to uh, take down the Cuse. Joe?
2: yippee ki South Florida. I agree with the Bulls. I think that's the strong pick. I don't know what Syracuse has left in the tank after firing their head coach for what seemed like what you're supposed to do at Syracuse, which is hold on for dear life and pray to God you don't get blown out. But I think the Bulls take this one, and I think they blow Syracuse out.
3: I don't even think Syracuse should be in a bowl game. They're not a very good football team. Bulls are riding high. They play together. Um, I like South Florida. All
1: right, we're all on South Florida, so make sure to stop by your local bookie and take the orange. As (laughs) As well as the Thundering Herd. We were all on the road As well as the Thundering Herd, Yes. Alright, we got NFL picks next. We also will talk some playoff picture because there are some big playoff implication games, especially starting Saturday. We'll get into that. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday.
0: Climb aboard as we set sail and Hoist the Colors. Arr, Mikey! Back to the show with Steve and I go on 943 the game.
1: All right, welcome back into the show, Hoist the Colors, on a Friday. We just made our college bowl picks, exciting stuff, kind of. I guess I can't wait for bowl games to start, although I'm more excited about the NFL this weekend, guys. And before we get into our picks here, huge implications on Saturday in the AFC. The Vikings, which is also in the mix in the NFC wildcard picture, takes on the Bengals in Cincinnati at 1 o'clock. The Steelers and Colts, quite honestly, two horrific 7-6 and football teams, but one of them will be in the playoff picture with a win in Saturday. And then the Broncos are at the Lions Saturday night. So we should have some good football Saturday. Joe, what stands out most to you about the AFC playoff picture right now? You know, we're AFC guys, Jets and Broncos, so – kind of crazy. You've got like six, seven, and six teams. What kind of stands out to you about this this uh, wild card madness?
2: I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that none of the divisions are decided yet. It looked like they were going to get ran away with. I mean, even the AFC North by mathematic elimination hasn't been decided yet because the Steelers do have a chance where they could come back. The Browns have a chance where they could come back. The Jets have a chance of winning the AFC somehow if the Dolphins were to lose this week and the Bills were to lose their next three. There is way for that as well, not even as a Jets fan, just in general as an AFC guy. That's insane to me. The Raiders all of a sudden now making noise with a chance to make a legitimate playoff run. Your Broncos, the Texans who look like they were in control of the AFC South, they're now backpedaling almost because the Titans and the Colts have had this crazy resurgence almost to make that one of the harder divisions in football right now it appears as far as just talented teams the NFC East still isn't decided we're looking at the difference between a home playoff game for the Eagles or the Cowboys versus having to travel to like Atlanta so there's a lot still just going on that we haven't decided yet I mean Everything is still on the table. The Bears haven't been mathematically eliminated from winning their division yet. This is just a crazy year for football and no starters to see, apparently, as far as quarterbacks go.
1: Phillip, as a Panthers fan, uh, and I know you do have ties to the Broncos as well, but we'll talk NFC with you. Since the Panthers are one of the few teams that have been mathematically eliminated, is there a team in this wild card mix outside of like the Cowboys or Eagles that you feel can make a run in the playoffs?
3: I think if the Rams get in, they could maybe surprise some people. It's weird that the NFC South, the worst division in football, has teams that are just out right now of the wild card based off tiebreaker. I thought coming into the season, no way in heck was the NFC South going to have a wild card. But, you know, Seattle just... Yes, they're explosive and dangerous, so they could maybe, but they just blow too many games. They're not consistent enough. I think Matthew Stafford is a hard quarterback to count out. Even his time with the Lions, when they had no business making the playoffs, they you know they did a hard-fought game against the uh, Saints. Whenever he lost his first playoff game, don't remember what year that was, and then he had a tough game where they should have won in Dallas, and the refs hosed them. Cowboy fans don't like to talk about that; they just like to talk about the next week with Dez Catch. So shut up, Cowboy fans. You should have lost to the lions and picked up that <laughs> illegal contact. Um so you know as long as Matthew Stafford is in there they've got the explosion offensively and the leadership on defense to shock somebody. I don't think they make the Super Bowl if they get in. I know even, they probably won't win a game, but if anybody could it's the Rams.
2: I like the Buccaneers I like still. The Bucks, ew. Yeah, did they just – Baker Mayfield's 3-0 and in his last three games. That's true. Actually, they, they beat good teams. They just can't
3: beat the bad ones. There's not many bad – well, there might be some bad teams the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah,
2: we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, let's make our picks, guys. NFL, we will start with the Denver Broncos at the Detroit Lions Saturday night. The Lions are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. This is such a crucial game. If Denver can find a way to win this game, I feel like their playoff odds will skyrocket because then they have the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders to finish out. The problem is the Lions are coming off a loss. You've got the interesting Dan Campbell, Sean Payton thing. You know, Dan Campbell was an assistant under him for a long time, so you've got that chess match. I... I just can't go against the Lions at home in a bounce back spot. So I'm going to go Detroit. I could see Denver covering the four and a half, but I think Detroit wins and, and finds a way to cover. Even as a Broncos fan, I'm going Detroit. Joe.
2: I have to agree with you. And it's nothing personal. It's just business. Uh, I think Dan Campbell, especially the differences. Dan Campbell's more of a true head coach. He's not a play caller. He doesn't get involved in the offensive schemes or the defensive schemes. He just sits there, game management, understands situations and makes those decisions. I think Peyton will be so concerned of the play calling and everything else that Campbell might kind of sneak one up on him as far as the situation goes. Maybe a fake punt, maybe a Pene sewell like pass to the flat or something like that. I like the Lions, especially considering that they need to seal up their division. There is a chance now with the Packers and Bears clawing back, and they've beaten the Lions back-to-back weeks now as far as division play goes, that you need to put this thing away. You need to make sure you secure your playoff spot. I like the Lions.
3: Yeah, their last game was a bad loss. Their last home game in primetime was a bad loss. If you look at Thanksgiving Day, uh. They just can't afford to do it again. They're too good of a football team. I think they squeak this one out. Still like Denver's chances down the stretch, but uh, not in this one.
1: Maybe they're just reverting back to the Lions, guys. And so uh, I don't know that they. If they lose this game, they may be truly becoming the Lions again and find a way to miss the playoffs. That would be epic. Uh, but I, I hope they they do. I hope they lose this game, but then find a the way in because I actually like Dan Campbell a lot. All right, so we're all in Detroit. Take Denver. Uh, Jets are at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are nine-and-a-half-point favorites, and I'm going to go, again, I'm a big bounce-back guy. Dolphins coming off a horrific loss. We don't know Tyreek Hill's situation, but I I think Miami's just going to score too much at home. If this was in New York, I'd feel comfortable taking the Jets, but I'm going to go Miami here, and we'll go Phillip, and then we'll go Joe because I know he's got a lot to say.
3: I'll I'll be quick about this Joe uh you guys had a great week last week in the second half you cannot carry that over Jets are going to jet and uh give me the line uh the dolphins
2: yeah, I have to agree. We're going to look at a consensus pick here. I think the Dolphins have too much of a high-powered offense for the Jets to try and live in that realm. If it was one of those cases where I'd look at a 13-10 game, the Jets squeak it out because Greg Zerloin hits four or five field goals and they win 15-13, to I'd feel more comfortable. But this is the same Miami Dolphins team that put up 70 on Igo's Broncos and they stopped running the ball or scoring points on purpose. So I think the high-powered offense is still something there. I think McDaniels knows too much about Sala, which leaves them open to exposure. I like the Dolphins especially at home. Thins up.
1: All right, Joe has done it again. He's picked against the New York Jets, and he did it with a straight face. He's trying to keep the mojo going. See you Tuesday
2: in my Rogers jersey.
1: (laughs) Uh, So we are all on the Dolphins as well. Falcons are at the Panthers. I don't know guys, I just got a feeling about this football game. Falcons are 6 and 7, they're fighting for a division, but they're just not a good team. And I mean, the Panthers stink as well, but I, I'm probably gonna regret this, but I'm gonna go with the Panthers at home. I think they win the game, I think they get their second win, and I think the Falcons lose in horrible fashion. Joe?
2: We're drinking the same Kool-Aid. Here I go. I agree. I think this is the the bounce-back game for the Panthers to try and right the wrongs of this entire season. I am not impressed by Arthur Smith. Haven't been since he became the head coach of Atlanta as a whole. You have three once-in-a-generational players in London and Pitts and in B. John Robinson, and you hand the ball off to Tyler Algier and Matt Collins. I like the Panthers. I do think it's well above the three anyway. I think the Panthers won by a touchdown. Fill
3: Yeah, if it was going to be dry, I could maybe buy in with this. It's going to be horrific. It's going to be wet. It's going to be cold. You're going to have to run the football. The Panthers can gap run. They cannot zone run, unfortunately. And, you know, that's done fine for them running the football when you're running and throwing it. You're going to have to run the ball in multiple ways to win on Sunday to keep the opponent guessing. Also, a deeper backfield, I think, for the Atlanta Falcons helps portray them ahead of the Panthers in this one. Give me Atlanta
1: all right we have next up on our picks list here cowboys at bills bills i uh, got a big victory last week it was my lock of the week i'm not going lock this time but i do think they keep it rolling they were at a two and a half point home favorite over the dallas cowboys i'm going buffalo at home and the cowboys are coming off a big win over philly i'm sensing a letdown spot here at buffalo playing for the playoff live so give me the bills at home joe can i pick both teams to
2: lose Uh, I think Dakota Prescott is the reason that the Cowboys are going to beat the Bills at home. And I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. I think the Cowboys are a legitimate team. We saw that last week when they manhandled uh, the Birds. And I think this week is no different. The Bills have been sporadic and streaky all season. I don't think that they have the kind of defense to answer what the Cowboys do offensively. Yeah, here we go. Give me the Cowboys.
3: You know, there is a difference in this game and last week's game, Joe. The difference is last week was played in a dome. This week, it's going to be mid-40s and raining in Buffalo. Dome teams can't win in the cold. Football is meant to be played outside. Football is a man's game. Real teams play outside. The Bills are a playoff team. They are a good football team. They know they have to make the playoffs, and to make the playoffs, they got to win this football game. That's what they do. Give me Buffalo.
1: All right, our final pick of the week, Ravens at Jaguars. You guys know I'm a huge bounce-back guy. The Jags come off two straight losses. I'm also a big letdown guy. The Ravens coming off an emotional win. I'm also a look-ahead guy. The Ravens play the Niners next week. Anson Belt and Buckle, lock of the week. Jacksonville gets it done. Sunday Night Football, I believe this is. Uh, Lock it in. Jacksonville will win. They will uh, correct their downturn and get it back going as they look to lock up this division and a home playoff game, Joe. I don't even know if I gave the spread, the Ravens are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite.
2: Three-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I don't know how to feel about this because my first assumption is, yeah, the Ravens are running away with the AFC North. They're going to be the one seed in the AFC. Why would you even worry about the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars? But then Bounce Back in me says that, Trevor Lawrence will now be back under center for a second week after the injury. He'll be more comfortable in that situation. Peterson will know a better way of using him. So some way, somehow I have to pick against Keaton Mitchell and I'm going to take the Jaguars. I think that given what they've been able to do in certain situations, I don't think the Ravens have enough in the tank to keep this kind of production up the same way they have. I think Edwards, especially on the goal line against that defensive front that the Jaguars have is going to get stuffed, and I think they're going to have to score from a long ways if they want to point or put points up on the Jags. So give me Jacksonville.
3: we got to go quick here. we cool. running out of time, but I go, we're going to ride or die together. Anson Belt and Buckle, lock of the week. I like the Jags as well.
1: All right, visit AnsonBelt.com. Uh, Cyber Monday special still going on. Again, we have David Fereo on the program. Yesterday, so check it out, ansonbelt.com backslash ECU to get your officially licensed ECU belts as well. Alright, we'll get our final break in, we'll come back, we'll wrap it up. This is Hoist the Colors.
0: This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on
1: 94.3, The Game. Alright, welcome back into Hoist the Colors. Got about a minute left in the program. We've got Bruce Willis, not that Bruce Willis, but an impostinator. In the comment section on YouTube, he brought up a good point, guys. Sunday night football will be Zay Jones versus Keaton Mitchell, two of the best Pirate offensive players in recent memory. So, what are the odds that we get? I don't know a dual Pirate touchdown. Hopefully, a Zay Jones score and a Keaton Mitchell score on Sunday night. Pretty likely. Pretty likely. Yeah, I, th- I have to say,
2: yeah. No. I was going to say but- with
3: Christian Kirk out, I think that that really raises the the opportunity.
2: Yeah, and he's he's fresh he as far as Jones he also goes. He hasn't misses, played all season. Uh,
1: Mason Garcia. Mason to Austin P. You think it's a good fit, Joe?
2: Yeah, I think it's a very good fit. I think it's a nice little spot for him as far as expectations go and and the size of the school. I think having Weaver there as a friendly face is good for him as well.
1: Alright guys, we appreciate it. We will have our program all next week, then we'll be off for the week of Christmas, but we'll have again another show. Next Friday with Joe. Appreciate Philip and Joe and all our guests this week. Also, thanks to everybody for tuning in, commenting as well. We'll talk to you Monday after a big official visit weekend over at East Carolina. Hopefully, we'll have some news for you then. We'll have Jeff Palumbo on as well, ECU assistant coach for baseball. See you then.
0: This has been Hoist the Colors with your host Stephen Igo.